Geopolitics and Empire is joined by Stephen Flood, who is the CEO of Goldcore, which uh, you can find at goldcore.com. And he's been part of the company for over a, a decade. Welcome to Geopolitics and Empire, Stephen. It's great to be there. Great to be here, Harove. I hope I said that right. <laughs> yeah, her, her, well, close enough, Harove. And uh, you're out Hervoye. in Ireland. Yeah, you're out in Ireland. And I know there are a lot of uh, Croats out there uh, in Ireland. Um, many of us have uh, fled <laughs> Croatia to you know, Mexico or Ireland. Uh, but uh, anyways, you know, I, I, I love the work uh, that you do and, and, and Goldcore does. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I was mentioning you this uh, story before we started that um, you guys have produced a lot of educational material uh, reports, analysis, interviews. And when I first came to Mexico over a decade ago, I was teaching economics and there was a fantastic animated uh, video produced by 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 you guys by Goldcore explaining the economy, and I was using this in my classes uh, for years. And so it's 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 fun now to be able to talk to the head of uh, Goldcore, and you know, here on Geopolitics and Empire, I've spoken to everyone from Jim Rogers and Mark Faber to Peter Schiff, and uh, I always kind of start with the big to get my guest big picture view. You know, m- most agree that. We're headed for a, a crash of epic proportions that the system seems to be collapsing. We're seeing so many things now, energy crisis, uh, permanent inflation, supply chains breaking, money printing without end. And so what would sort of be your assessment of the current state uh, of the world economy? Well, first off, thank you so much for mentioning the video. Uh, we did that as a kind of an experiment, thought experiment, because um, YouTube was becoming popular for financial education. And we wanted to make something really cool, and we called it Goldnomics. So if you're listening to this, check it out. It's still out there. And it's got a great soundtrack to it. It's really like, it's cool kind of, you know, nightclub music. And uh, it got huge, huge uh, reception. It was great. And uh, it did its job, and it's still relevant today, which is great. Test of, uh, of good creativity, I think. Um, yeah, I suppose the situation today, a situation report um, would be that we are in the, um, I suppose, the beginning stages of uh, a monetary experiment, uh, which has been um, perpetrated upon people um, over the you know the centuries uh, by various different governments. The difference today is it's happening on a global level and it's coordinated. Um, and it, it was all it's based on a kind of a unipolar world where the United States was um, the the, uh, the 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 chief power for the last uh, arguably hundred years possibly and and maybe a financial power in the last fifty or sixty um, and the dollar uh, has uh, has enormous power um, all pretty much all commodities and energy um, that's traded internationally would be priced back in dollars and hedged in dollars and were necessary. And so that that obviously created a huge um, um, exorbitant privilege on the U.S. Treasury in that their, 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 their Treasury securities would have to be held by central banks around the world in lieu of dollars, i.e. a proxy for dollars, in order to pay for energy imports uh, and, and, other, and other imports. And so uh, that is... What's happening now is that 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 uh, exorbitant privilege has been abused, uh, or has been abused for the last twenty years on a, on a massive scale, uh, with enormous amounts of money printing, where you have uh, the U.S. economy now. I think their interest payments have now swollen to something like one point seven trillion dollars, which is actually more than they spend on their uh, defense budget, uh, which tells you everything that you need to know uh, about how incredibly large a commitment it is and uh, and the only thing they can do really is to continue to devalue the debt and they can do that through inflation 
um, is one of the best ways of doing that. So I think it's policy to have inflation. Um, but I don't think the inflation that we have right now is there by choice. I think they're actually learning to live with it and see the positive to it. Uh, and if they can do that and not kill the patient, i.e. the consumer, uh, then they they believe they have a chance of of correcting this, this situation. Um, but ultimately, that debt um, has flowed all around the world. And all central banks have engaged in money printing in order to defend the relative power of their currencies versus the dollar. So if they start printing the money and devaluing the dollar, others have to do the same thing. Uh, and that's been happening everywhere. So the Chinese have been doing it, the Europeans have been doing it, the Swiss have been doing it, you know, the British have been doing it at, you know, at an unbelievable rate. And so we have become a very indebted global economy. And the world is very much in debt. And relative to GDP, it's estimated around 340 to 350% of GDP globally, uh, which is far in excess of where it was just back in the global financial crisis in 2008 and 2009, which was about 240%. So our interest rate sensitivity as a global economy has never been higher. And with inflation now uh, on the rampage, uh, typically what happens is the consumer's uh, in, um, uh, income is shrinking relative to their cost of living. So there's, a, there's an impoverishment happening. And if you look back in history, uh, and you go way back in history, back into the 1500s, uh, you can see in, in many places in the world, and particularly Europe, uh, when inflation begins to occur, uh, what eventually happens is that people become desperate. They vote desperately. They support desperate regimes. Uh, they do very nasty things to each other. They invade. They go to war. They steal. They take resources. Uh, they try to distract against domestic policy failures by going and blaming international uh, um, uh, parties. And they uh, essentially, the world becomes a very, very dangerous place. So we also, we have what's happening now is we have uh, the, all, the, all, the, all the, the components for conflict right around the world. Um, and, and this is terrifying because the weapons that are out there don't really give uh, anyone a second chance. There's, there's a very low survival rate uh, with a lot of these modern weapon systems. And when you have such a huge polarization across the global political apparatus, and you have now going from a, a, a single polar world or polar world to a multipolar world, um, with China in the ascendancy and Russia and the BRICS now looking at alternate currencies to get away from the dollar as fast as possible. Uh, which is the point of control. And you can't blame these countries for wanting to pull away from the dollar. It is the means by which they have been controlled for many, many years, which worked in their favor because globalization tended to lift all boats to a degree. But now it's been used politically. So Russia got knocked out of the payment systems politically uh, because of their their uh, their uh, their uh, aggressive acts. Uh, it, Russian citizens were removed from Visa and MasterCard while on holiday. Um, you know, these are innocent parties, uh, and they were they were compromised. So the, the question on every finance minister's lips now is: in this new world with a multipolar uh, environment, where the dollar is 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 being is being um, uh, usurped by new currencies and new payment mechanisms, what does what what do they need to look at from a risk management perspective? Well, they need to diversify. Is the answer, and that is what's happening. And you're now seeing com countries. Uh, are thumbing their noses at the U.S. Uh, power base by openly 
doing what was unthinkable before, that is to export energy and import energy using other uh, other currencies other than the dollar. And uh, and the Saudis, you know, for years, the US's most powerful ally in the Middle East uh, is now in cahoots with China and, and, and maybe even by proxy Russia. Uh, the Indians are now actively facilitating uh, uh, energy exports um, um, from Russia, um, and so it's 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 unbelievable. So they're paying for their their exports using uh, um, uh, Middle Eastern currencies, which are then backed by gold transactions. Uh, and this is happening now, just in the last few months. So I don't know. I'm not smart enough to tell you what the end game is going to be. But I can tell you that the that the that there's such variance now uh, at work, and the unexpected, which is really what happened in World War One, uh, could at any time kick off. Uh, some chain of events that can, are irreversible um, could occur, and I wonder uh, what can we do as individuals? What can we do as com- as companies? What can we do as countries? Uh, um, and it, and it's it's open for discussion. There's a lot of different things that you could look at, but I do think owning precious metals uh, is is an essential act of personal sovereignty. And that is to say that when you take possession of something like gold, which is a form of money without any equals, uh, something that has lasted throughout time and and, um, and across all cultures, uh, and you take possession of that form of money, it is distinct and separate from the system. And the system is controlled and the system is under risk. So you can separate yourself from the system by having that form of money in your possession. And then you can, then you have optionality as to which way the world goes. And I'm not suggesting you put all your money to gold, but I do think it's good financial sense to put something in there, call it five, call it 10%, 20%, whatever suits you. And you have it held in a non-financial institution, in a vault, that in a safe jurisdiction or a safe jurisdiction as you can find, or multiple safe jurisdictions, which a lot of our clients would do. And you have it there and it's held on a segregated basis. And that is so important. People don't understand what that word even means in the in the in in the public. But segregated means that your gold is not mixed with my gold. They're not mixed together. And most bullion companies who provide storage services actually pool the gold together, which is okay in most circumstances. But if you go into two and three standard deviations in terms of market volatility, those contractual relationships, uh, you don't need to have that that exposure. It's okay when in one standard deviation. But maybe two and three standard deviations when the market is becoming very volatile. I think it's actually really important to have uh, direct access to your gold should you need to have it, and you want it in a place that you can you can you know is not uh, being going to be interfered with by some other holder or some mechanism or some local local um, power. So I think that that that's generally my view of where we are today and where we've come from, and and bringing it back then to maybe to to some to actions that the individual can take. A quick shout out to our sponsors, which you can locate via the sponsor page on geopoliticsandempire.com or whose links are included in every podcast description. I've tried privacy phones in the past, such as Silent Circle's Black Phone, which turned out to be a dud. The best and really only option so far is de-googling your phone. Now, you can do it yourself. 
but I've never had the time to figure that out and simply got an above phone. They sell degoogled phones that come with a suite of software. They also provide support and a monthly above privacy suite with many features such as a unique phone number, encryption, email, VPN, and so forth. If you're looking for a private phone, check out Above Phone. Make sure to click on the Above Phone link on geopoliticsandempire.com or via the podcast description so that we can enjoy a commission. Also, check out the Nomos Time Bank at nomos.net, which you can download in Spanish or English to your Apple or Google or de-Googled phone. Nomos allows people in your community to exchange services using time as a currency rather than fiat money. This will be one great way to survive in the coming algorithm ghetto. If you need health insurance, you can talk to my friend James Guzman of the Borderless Blog Podcast and Health Insurance. He offers free consultations. Simply schedule a time with him over at borderlesshealthinsurance.com. Finally, you can donate directly to Geopolitics and Empire, consult with me, the host, or become a member to join private monthly member Zoom calls where we shoot the breeze discussing world events. We'll continue talking about gold, and there's a lot there that you um, mentioned and that we talk about on the podcast. And just mentioning those Russians, I, I had a Russian listener um, mail me last year saying, sorry, I can't donate to geopolitics any, and empire anymore because I, I've been cut off of SWIFT. So just as you said, one of my listeners from Russia uh, who was donating, uh, they couldn't anymore because uh, their Visa MasterCard was um, cut off. And just a, a little more on those lines of the multipolar uh, aspect and you know the, the, the US dollar reserve status there's some uh who espouse like brent johnson who i'm a fan of you know like the milkshake theory that the dollar will get stronger as everything collapses because there's no other game in town uh but you know others like peter schiff say you know jed or griffin who i've met uh, that the dollars you know eventually inflation will be brought back to the u.s uh along with the dollars and then we'll get hyperinflation uh of the dollar and i saw an article recently from neural neural rubini in fine yeah in financial times where he's discussing the creation of a new bipolar currency regime so where i suppose the dollar weakens but remains alongside sort of what you've been talking about this new digital system coming out of the east out of BRICS and china you know digital yuan petro yuan interoperability of CBDCs and digital currencies of the BRICS countries. We saw Russia and Iran last week integrating their uh, financial system, their banks. And so, um, you know, any other thoughts on the status of the US dollar as world reserve and, you know, where you see, could it collapse or do you think it would be more likely to live in this bipolar regime? You know, any, any further thoughts there? It's so hard to say. I would think that inflation will impoverish the average American consumer. Because I don't think they can possibly live with the interest rates that would occur, uh, or the dollar would would need to command in order to remain relevant in a multipolar world. Uh, remember, people don't own dollars because of the rate of interest; they own dollars because it's the clearing currency of the world. And if that if that goes away, and you don't need to pay for your oil imports in dollars anymore, maybe you're energy independent. Maybe you have you know, wind power or other things, and your and the requirement for dollars falls away because there's other options. One and two that the the requirements for energy change the market. Um, then suddenly the the dollar is going to have to have a much higher rate of interest in order to attract flows. And I wonder, can the and and why would you sorry why would you invest in the dollar 
if it can't support those interest rates, if the consumer base can't support those interest rates. So I think the the other the other side of it is I do absolutely believe in the American um, the American trading mentality. Uh, that is to say that the, that as a country and as a people, there are very few examples of innovative uh, countries uh, as the US has, has been, and I think it will continue to be. I think there'll be a powerhouse in terms of innovation and trade all around the world. So, <clears throat> on the one hand, I think interest rates will create huge problems for the dollar. It may not. It may not survive. It may not survive that. Um, and and I think uh, one second there. Yeah, so it may not survive that. And I think the American consumer, what's going to happen with them? I don't know. Uh, I don't think they can support higher interest rates. I don't think their 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 lifestyles of debt and repayment of debt, I don't think is supportive. Um, so I think it's 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 a very difficult one to call. Um, I like the idea of dollar being part of a trade weighted basket of currencies, which are which is representative of the global um the global economy. Um, but that also then means that you have to have kind of unification. You have to have a meeting of the minds. But right now, what we have is uh, a new Cold War developing, where you have a, uh, you know a, an Eastern trading block and a Western trading block. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know exactly how that's going to pan out. Uh, I wouldn't bet against the the Western economies. I think they've some this they've, they've shown exceptional prowess and diplomatic uh, um, uh, capability in the past. Um, I mean, we've really been kind of dancing to the tune of the West for the last hundred years, um, and so it's it's a hard one to call. Uh, I I think Europe has a role to play. I think Europe has been massively bolstered by the war in Ukraine in terms of its cohesion. Uh, if you asked me three or four years ago, I would have said Europe's number days are numbered. Uh, they they just such a, a hodgepodge of very various countries who have have no resemblance. But they have a common cause now, and the I think the parliamentarians within Europe are are, are probably going to glue themselves together, and they have a, a common purpose now. So I think there's some a bit more hope there in terms of you know leadership in the future, economic leadership, um, and I, I don't necessarily think that the BRIC nations will be able to carry off a long term um, alternate to the dollar. In any real terms, other than politically mandated flows of of, of trade, um, so I think maybe you might see uh, a trade weighted currency coming from Western or anglicised countries, including Australia and maybe in the Nordic countries, uh, the United States, Europe, and I think that would make a, a, an exceptionally uh, powerful. Uh, tr international traded currency, and maybe the Americans will control that through proxy uh, and retain some sort of influence. I don't know, but it's it's all to play for now. This is all happening right now in real time in Technicolor. It's an extraordinary time to be alive and to be witnessing what's happening. And and I um, I hope I hope we can we can get through without further conflict. Uh, but you can't rule that out. It's there's all the the the, the stage is set for the unexpected. Yeah, just uh, on the previous podcast, which I have yet to upload uh, yesterday, I was talking with nuclear expert uh, Stephen Starr on what we're facing, uh, you know, World War Three scenario. And, you know, another reason to own gold uh, is the cashless society, digital currencies, central bank digital currencies, which are meant, most countries now are working on here in Mexico, uh, the digital peso. They're talking about rolling it out uh, next year or in two years. Um, and this basically can become a social credit system. You know, I'm already banned from Patreon and PayPal, and 
I keep reading about cases everywhere from Brazil to Canada, to the US, to Europe, European countries, democracies, shutting citizens' bank accounts, uh, people who have done nothing wrong. You know, the latest case was military veteran Jeremy McKenzie in Canada, whose Scotia Bank just shut his account and no other bank will open an account for him just because of perceived uh, thought crimes. And so, uh, you know, I think that's one good reason to own, uh, as you were mentioning before, uh, gold, you know, which is out of the the system. But do you have any general thoughts on this uh, trend that that we're seeing this push towards this sort of CBDC cashless society? It's such a fascinating area. My God, again, we're witnessing this. This is a a massive kind of fulcrum uh, for the world uh, and human rights. Um, Like technically, as a technological experiment, and uh, I think I love it. I think it's just fantastic. There's so much inefficiency with the way we transact as, as an economy. There's so much paper pushing. There's so lack of trust in the system. Um, and I think uh, I think anything that can speed up uh, transactions make, is great for all businesses and people. You can get what's needed to where it's to what's known to where it's needed faster than ever before. Um, and then you can pay your taxes better and faster in terms of you know. You know um, um, uh, you know, sales taxes and whatnot. Um, the amount of cost in the system that's baked into the prices of what you pay for for ad- adhering to regulatory and taxation requirements is huge. I mean, we're, we're paying a massive amount of money to uh, to service providers, like the big accountancy firms. They are literally all over the system, you know, sucking value out of all of our, de- our lives. It's, it's a terrible waste, all because we don't trust each other. So I like it from a technology point of view. Now, from a human rights point of view, it's all scary as all hell. There is so much power going to people who are unaccountable. Remember, central banks are not elected. They have no accountability to the people. They are put in place through appointment systems, which are two and three degrees removed from accountability as far as I'm concerned. They should be elected. Uh, there's an argument that they should these, these officials should be elected uh, by the people. Um, I don't and, and sorry, and when things go great, the politicians take all the credit. And then when things go really bad, they blame the central bankers. Um, and and this, is, this is the way it's a, it's a way of actually protecting the political elite. I think from accountability is actually what they what is. Now I do I don't like the idea of politicians interfering with interest rates and and monetary policy. That would be a recipe for disaster. But there must be a better way of doing this. So central bank digital currencies, um, yeah, they're going to be here. But remember, central banks might issue digital currencies, but they're also buying gold at an unbelievable rate. They're actually they're playing two sides of this coin. They're going back to the oldest form of money in the world to underpin their national uh, treasury, and they're also going, creating central bank digital currencies, um, and probably for the right reasons. I'm going to might be unpopular thing to say. I think the people who are the technocrats are doing it right now to see it as an efficiency gain, and they see it as something like, well, we could be in ten years' time. Do you want to be an economy operating on a paper standard, you know, physical fiat ca- cash? Or someone who's on a central bank digital currency, and will a, a massively advanced society be anchored? Which one of those systems will it be anchored to? Well, I think the, the digital currency will probably aid growth and speed of, and efficiencies later on. But how do you answer the civil rights and the human rights question? And there was uh, there were some uh, representations to the European Central ECB uh, Central Bank suggesting that there should be anonymity baked in to whatever system comes forward. So for under a certain amount of this pure anonymity, you cannot possibly be tracked. 
Uh, there's no known way of doing that. And I think that's a very, very important thing. That's no small technical challenge. But if it could be overcome and delivered, I think that is an absolute necessity. And I think there has to be um, uh, there has to be uh, the ability to a much sorry far more robust mechanisms to stop abuses coming from government. Uh, I don't think that the question of whether it's going to happen or not it is definitely going to happen. Uh, and and now it's just the case how can we in, in, how can we inform the debate for the future, knowing what we know about the past. And, and making sure that the that the individual is sacrosanct, that we trust the individual and the system serves the individual. Uh, and I think that's very important. Places like China and other, other countries which have very questionable civil rights, uh, you have all, other, you talk about social control. Uh, that is terrifying um, to an awful lot of people. Uh, and, and maybe uh, we're going to go down that route Eventually, especially if we go into conflict globally, they can they can basically justify anything. History shows us what happens. We know, you know, these are special circumstances. You're going to have to give up your rights so I can protect you, and I'm going to track the hell out of you. And by the way, you know, if you don't vote my way, your op- options for future and your family's options for the future are severely limited, and it is the point of control. And you know, you do not for a second think that you know men in suits in London or Brussels or Washington. Would be above this and history, and they know history. They do not. These people will do exactly what they need to do. They they can be just as ruthless as, as figures in our history, and it's not for the, us to trust them. It's it's it, that power is in our hands to ensure that whatever gets created serves the people. And I think it's very important that the individuals educate themselves and add to the debate and do so without fear. And it's really important for our children and everyone to come that we do this correctly. Yeah, I, I see it as you just laid it out. And I, and to be fair to your earlier point, uh, I've been seeing, um, you know, transactions internationally happen much quicker now, almost instantly. So there is that benefit, as you said, um, you know, where it was it used to take me a couple of days to see my transfers internationally. Now it's just, it's unbelievable. It's like, it's instant, which is kind of cool. But then as you just laid out the other side um, uh, of the coin, it's uh, <laughs> very totalitarian. And now, speaking about, you know, what, given everything you've just laid out, the economic situation, the war situation, the authoritarian, uh, you know, possibilities, how to protect ourselves. And of course, you know, physical metals is one. So basically like real assets. I, I see the chatter with my listeners uh, on, on my Telegram channel and elsewhere. Basically real assets, physical assets, less stuff in the digital virtual uh, uh, world. And so, you know, land or property gold uh silver that's physical as you were mentioning that's you know uh allocated some like james rickards i think have suggested anywhere from 10 to 25 percent i'm i'm more of a believer as i don't trust the systems anymore i don't trust our banks our governments no no one i i'm more of a believer that you know whatever wealth i have i'll i put more like you know 20 20 to 30 percent in precious metals and so if you want to tell us about people looking to get into gold uh and and, and silver you know why how uh and so forth excuse me i think whenever you have whatever happens to the monetary system uh and it is going to become more digital uh and less tangible i think the argument for gold becomes unbelievably strong it's irresistible um, to have a tangible form of wealth in your person, on your in your home, accessible to you, because the unthinkable can happen. Ask those Russian tourists stranded in Thailand. 
Um, so I do think the case for it is very strong. I think the inflationary case is, is very strong. I think the debt, the global debt uh, debacle makes it very strong. I, I'm struggling to find a negative case for gold. And I know I sell it. And it sounds like a cheesy sales job. But I, I and the team here at Goldcorp 100% believe in what we do. We're, we're, literally on, we're literally on a mission to to help our clients and we actually when we when we when we provide gold to our clients we tell them quite upfront we hope you lose money we hope this 10 percent 20 percent 30 percent of your investment goes down in value because if it's going down the other 90 80 70 percent is going up those factors are driving those other assets up this is about risk mitigation and so then when you actually decide to have it Having it in that tangible form becomes more more important. It's not about having a futures contract or an options contract or a mining company. These are intangible. Um, but if you have a bar of gold, a kilo of gold, it asks no questions. It it makes it gives no favors. It just is as defined by what it is. It has no cash flow. It doesn't de- depend on somebody to do something. And so it, it's unique amongst all the options out there. It's probably the most unique investment somebody can make uh, and it gives absolute sovereignty to you financially now at our company uh, we we will be and it, I blush when I say this we'll be 20 years old next October so we've been around the block more than a few times uh, and we manage a few hundred million in assets for our clients everywhere and um, we make it as easy as possible for people to buy precious metals and when they do choose to buy we'll deliver it to them or we'll store it for them. And in most cases, we store it. And we store it in multiple different jurisdictions around the world in what we consider to be the safest vaults there, non-bank. Uh, and then when we store it, we, as I said before, we put it on a segregated allocated. So your goal goes into a box with your account number on it. You go onto our platform, you can do a PL, look at your, your serial numbers, whatever you have there. You can see it real time, 24-7. Do a valuation. You can buy and sell more uh, when our trading desk is open, which is most of the time it's open. Uh, and what we also then allow you to do, and I think we're unique in this, and it's only because we actually store our bullion correctly. Most companies don't do this correctly. We'll give you the credential to log into the vaulting company's system independently of Goldcore. So you're logging into Zurich, let's say, and you put your account number in there, and up pops a list of all your bars and serials and numbers in your coins, and it matches one for one with what you see on your Goldcore portal and everything there. So you know it's physically there. They've just confirmed it 24-7. Um, and you can go and visit your gold in certain locations as well. And you can take delivery of it. If you want to sell it, you don't like the price we're offering. And I'd be surprised if you do, because we're, we're, we're very we're great value. But uh, if you don't like the price, you can then say, you know what? I'm going to send it to this other dealer, or I'm going to take delivery of it. I'm going to choose where it goes. So you direct your gold. You don't have to you know, disentangle it from a whole pool of gold and, and go through us. We're not going to limit you and your options. It's your asset. It's like your car parked in our car garage we don't get to own it we certainly don't get to drive it uh and uh, and it's yours all day long it's on your balance sheet not on ours but that's how we we've over 20 years we've created this system and it's so focused on the client and the outcome and the fact that we just don't know what the future holds but we do think that you need to have optionality and that starts with the form of that gold storage solution and so uh, that we make it as easy, and we're always listening to our clients. We're always making, adding new things to our to our to our service, uh, and learning all the time. The other thing what we do, which I think is actually even more important again than all of what I just said, is that we're part of a community of 
I don't know, like, you know, 14 or 15,000 customers. Uh, and they're all feeding things back to us when necessary information. And then we take that information and we're kind of like a clearinghouse for what's going on. And uh, we're kind of, we're in that vigilance mindset. So we're vigilant with our customers. They're vigilant with us and we're vigilant together. Uh, so we stand on the wall, we watch and we see around. And a case in point was we were, we had a, a large amount of metal stored in Hong Kong back a few years ago and the umbrella protest broke out and we looked at our, at our contracts, our, our, our vaulting company contract and the insurance contract behind it. We realized that uh, that um, public um, uh, public order and 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 civil strife uh, were factors that weren't insured. Should they compromise the safety of the vault? And we said to our customers, we said, you know, hey, you've got your gold here. Now, who of you wants to move to Singapore? We have a plane ready to go in a day's time. And not everybody put their hand up. Most did, but the ones that didn't. We're fine. We already had everyone's assets segregated. So we just took the ones that they wanted to go and out the door they went that day up to Singapore. And that's where they are today. Uh, we didn't have to disentangle anything or, or, or um, uh, you know, uh, separate any holdings because there wasn't like five people owning one kilo bar, which is common in the system. We talked about providers who are out there, very well-known providers, and they talk about allocated storage services. Well, they, have, you know, they could have a thousand people owning one kilo bar of gold. Well, that's ridiculous. What are you going to do? Your options are suddenly limited massively. So you need to own it outright. You need to own it segregated and you need to have it in safe jurisdictions. And those jurisdictions should be set up so that you can move your goal whenever you need to, because the world will change. We don't know what the future holds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've had a bad, ex poor experience with, uh, previous, uh, metals companies. So, you know, maybe I'll try a uh, gold core one option and, uh, just, uh, you know, when it comes to, I've had people ask me as well, you've touched on this, how much percentage of one's savings or assets should people put into gold or silver? Um, and like you said, I think it wouldn't be wise to like, I don't know, go over 50% or, you know, 80, you know, to do something like 70 or 80%, but I, it's whatever one is comfortable with, um, and how much one trusts the system. But I, you know, I, I'm easily comfortable, you know, putting a third of my, savings in in precious metals what are, what are your thoughts uh you know for people thinking about how much to to calculate i think it depends where you are where you are in in your investment life cycle and what you're what's important to you some people who are younger are very much focused on getting a return on their money they want their assets deployed productively so they want a cash flow equities look great the great companies out there great people some really bad ones too and I wouldn't go looking for advice on business TV. You're going to just be sold a pup. Um, but I do think there's an argument for equities in a portfolio. Um, and there's an argument for debt as well. Uh, but you have to be very discerning. Uh, pressure, the, when you buy an equity, you're buying a future cash flow uh, of earnings. And it's a relative future cash flow because you've often other options out there. So you, you hone in on one or two different funds or whatever it is you're looking at. Uh, and bonds, you're taking a punt on the relative. Uh, safety of loaning out money to a government or a company and getting a coupon payment back based on relative interest rates elsewhere that you could get for the same level of risk. And this is the, it's it's not complicated. You know, the investment managers will tell you how complicated the world is. It's actually really stupid easy to understand. The role of gold is not to get a return on your money. The role of gold has a contingent value. Its value comes around through circumstances, not cash flows. And so when things start to look uncertain for the future, 
then gold becomes more sought after and the, va- the, pro- the, va- the price of it goes up. And that is its role. Its role is to calm you down so that you're not all in on the system. So if, if, you have, uh, if you're not worried about getting a return on your money and you want a form of money that is you know, somewhat immune to inflation and monetary printing, not always, but most for the most time, most part on the long term it is, uh, you should have gold. And how much is depending on how you feel about the world. So I have customers who are at 100% in gold. And they, they didn't get there because I said they should be there. But they tend to be retired. They tend to have maybe a life expectancy of another 10, 20, 30 years. They are 100% knowledgeable of the risks out there. They're, they're taking a, a bet. They're removing themselves from the system. And they're saying, I would much rather have my assets held close to me then have them in the system at risk because I don't believe in the system right now. And that's their view. These people are not stupid. Now, I wouldn't suggest that necessarily because younger people may you know, have, have retirement requirements that are unset uh, or unknown. So I think you start at 10%, at least the bare minimum for everybody. Uh, the, wor- the more concerns you have about the future, maybe dial that up to 20% or 30%, uh, whatever you prefer. And then maybe when things go great, then dial it back down again. Uh, but I do think, I love this idea uh, and I've spoken about it before, is that that contingent value. So when the when the wheels come off the bus and the stock market, you wake up in the morning and the stock market's down 50%, somebody who's all in on that market, look at that 50% drop and they're looking at the next 50% drop and all the way to zero. They're thinking they're going to get wiped out. They are terrified. But that person tends to sell at exactly the wrong time, buy at exactly the wrong time. And they are the kind of the dumb money in the system. But the person who actually has that small allocation of gold, 5%, 10%, suddenly that 50% drop in equities is also corresponding with a, a, you know, a 20%, 30% rise in gold. And they're going to themselves, I'm not all in on that system. I'm not going to zero. I might go down further, but I'm not going to zero. I'm not getting washed out. And I think that is the reason why central banks own gold. It's extremities. And the individual should own gold for the same reasons. There's extreme circumstances. So yeah, that, that, that's my view on what it does. And I think it's so powerful. And there's nothing else out there that can do this. And in terms of gold and silver, I'd say 75% gold, 25% silver, mainly because silver's got a lot more volatility. It moves around a lot more, moves up twice as fast and falls twice as fast. Over the long term, it's actually returns are quite similar to gold. So you get a bit more volatility for a bit of risk. But if you could time it, you want to be a bit of a trader. And if the market goes parabolic and gold goes up, you're going to be able to get make a huge profit on silver, possibly in that scenario. No guarantees, and this is not investment advice. Yeah, and just to ask you about a potential price of gold and silver, and again, like I don't view that as important. I think what you just laid out is, for me, is the most important. I don't trust the system. I want to have something that I own outside of the system. For me, that's my biggest thing. I don't really care about the price of the metals, but yeah. just just kind of interesting. Uh, I've heard. I don't know if it was James Rickards or others who say. Um, you know, given this new economic system that's coming, the end of Bretton Woods, uh, the potential for, you know, an ounce of gold to be, I don't know how many thousands uh, per ounce. And again, it's not like it's, as you said, it's not like I'm going to get rich off of gold. It's just like, you know, the, the, the fiat system is, is, is losing its value and gold is just uh, adjusting. But I mean, do you have any feeling for uh, the potential for gold to be, I don't know, 5,000 an ounce or 10,000 an ounce or something like that at, at, at some point in the future. 
Oh, gotcha. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think it's really hard to put a limit on where it can go in certain circumstances. I mean, it could go like a hockey stick, like really like parabolic. Uh, I don't want anyone to listening to this to buy it on that basis. I know it's really tempting to do so, but you have to go back to what I said a few moments ago. It's contingent value. Because if that's going up like a hockey stick, your community is destroyed. You're, all your family have lost their jobs. It is not a good day. You may look like a star, but you, you, you people would hate you for it. So in, in terms of it's, I think its role in the world is going to be more and more central and it's going to be more acceptable. And people, you go to a dinner party and you say, you know, where do you buy your gold? Oh, I buy it there. It'll be more of a normal conversation. Whereas people look at you today, even that you've got like, you know, two heads. Uh, so I think it'll be more normal. Um, and I think in terms of the value of gold in fiat currencies or the dollar, the dollar is like monopoly money. They're just making it out of nothing. So it's like, how, what's the price of gold in Zimbabwean dollars or Rymark, uh, Rymarks, Reichmarks? Um, it's, you know, pick a number. So it's the, 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 there's more people in the world. There's more debt in the world. There's less unity in the world. Uh, the, uh, the cost of living is going up. Earn, real earnings are going down. And we're talking about the safe haven asset over here, which is not very popular. I'd say, I mean, I, I, my own belief is maybe 1% of the population own gold as an investment asset. You know, 1%. And I'm probably being kind. It might be even half that. I think that could go to 5% or 10% in the future, which is extraordinarily an extraordinary increase in demand. Um, and so I think it's, it's uh, I think, you know, work like yours and getting out there and just posing questions to people and getting them to think about these things is very important because you're not going to read on, read about this, you know, in the Financial Times. You're not going to read about it in the New York Times. You're not going to read this in your normal mainstream media. Uh, their job is to keep the powers uh, that are in power uh, because that's, they, that's where they get their information from and uh, they're, 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 they're locked in. So uh, alternative media is where you're going to learn about this, but be, be discerning as well. You know, there's a lot of people out there selling things and pitching things out. So, you know, I think it's very, very important that you, uh, you, you be careful of who you listen to and you, you hold them to account. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, I think that the, the price of gold, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was north of 10,000 sooner rather than later. You know, I'm saying sooner in the next like, three to five years. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, 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 if silver was, was comfortably above $100 um, or maybe even more. Um, but again, if a client got on the phone to us tomorrow and said, hey, I want to buy gold because it's going to go to 10000 and I, I would probably say, listen, well, we may not be the place for you. There, there's a bigger, much bigger question to, uh, to, to ask here. Um, uh, and, and it's better if you want to speculate on gold, you know, you know, there's loads of better ways of doing that than buying physical. When you buy physical, you're buying this tangible asset with a with a premium, and you're paying for the production of this this beautiful object. And it costs money, it costs energy. Um, you know, you can buy a proxy instrument. I mean, like, you know, the bankers out there will write you contracts and those you know different futures markets and 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 options exchanges. You can buy and get exposure to gold for like half nothing. Um, but again, you want to know what you're told, what you're doing. You want to get educated about it. Uh, we don't deal with speculators per se. Um, they, they don't make good customers, uh, and and they tend to lose their money and become very un, you know unhappy people. Uh, for m- most people numerically, uh, but we're, with with us, we're we're about those people who look at gold from a from a diversification point of view, from a safe haven point of view. And I think everything I've said so far probably underlines really what our clients think. Like mean, I, I learn from my clients. You know, they they tell me these things, and, and that's why that's why I learn. Yeah, and just in terms of the price, I keep reading uh, headlines just this week uh, in emerging 
markets like like Pakistan, the price of gold uh, over there hit record. So you're seeing in different currencies the price uh, of an ounce of gold just keeps hitting uh, records. Yeah, look, at, was- look at Arge- look at Argentina, look at Syria, look at Turkey. You know, look at look at the UK. I mean, the UK is all like I think it's an all time high at the moment. It's like unbelievable. Uh, this is not because gold suddenly became rarer. <laughs> <laughs> it's because money's been printed in these places, you know, and, and their currencies lose. It's not gold's going up, but currencies are going down. That's the, uh, but there will a time will come when gold will go up because of demand. When we go from that one percent to five percent, just an opinion. But you know, I think it's I think it's well, uh, I think it's well thought out. Yeah, and um, yeah, we've sort of covered the 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 waterfront. Maybe just real quick on on, on Bitcoin and crypto. I'm not really big on. Bitcoin and crypto, I've got some a, a little bit just you know I'm, that I'm willing to 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 lose, but um, I, I've sort of viewed I've been vocal about my view from day one that Bitcoin and crypto have are paving the way towards this cashless CBDC um, system. But I mean, a- any thoughts on, on on Bitcoin or crypto? I know they're classified as two different things: Bitcoin, which people argue is sound money, and then Crypto, like all the rest, is kind of garbage. You know, the, the Bitcoin maxis uh, view it that way. But the thoughts on, on, on Bitcoin or crypto? Uh, I think it's hilarious. Of, of, May, of the gold commentators that are out there, um, there's, there's a lot of them looked at Bitcoin and saw a similarity with gold uh, from an Austrian school of economics, from a, from a personal sovereignty point of view, from a decentralized uh, um, anti-establishment point of view uh and i could see that i can understand where they came from but they were very naive in thinking that it would gain traction in any real way because the pump and dump operators dove in there and issued thousands of icos you remember those and then crypto tokens and then they were like this is different and then they had tethers and stable coins and all sorts of different um you know um versions and they're all trying to. They all had the same credential. This is a, uh, a a currency operated by the people, accountable to the market, and therefore it's true and right and proper and something you should believe in too. This is the new world. Um, and they were more marketeers than idealists. Uh, and the people who followed it were quite naive in thinking because it, it was a really cool story. Like it sounded great, but when you got into it, like what you actually had in Bitcoin is probably the most uh, trackable, accountable token by virtue of its clearing mechanism, because it has to be mathematically rigorous. Like a wallet has to have it to sell it, a wallet has to receive it to buy it, and uh, unless you go through, you know, um, uh, cer- certain services which try to obscure the origins of what you have is either something that, and, and when you own it, you are the registered owner of this via wallet. You now own the history of this thing. This, this token and everywhere it's been and every hand it's been in and every transaction it's been involved in and you now suddenly have all of that legacy in your hands and then suddenly somebody knocks on your door and they go you know thanks very much for that uh, bitcoin uh, i've tracked it to a to an act to a theft that happened five years ago or uh you know some child pornography or something something really disgusting and evil and you now own it you're now a party to this and you don't have the benefit of a bank which takes in money from the back door mixes it all up and then sends out generic money out the front door 
uh, and there's no single connectivity between those previous transactions and the ones of tomorrow. But with Bitcoin, you have a perfect ledger uh, that is built technically. It sounds great, but it actually it actually transmits risk all the way through the system. That's the first problem is. So you you own it, you really own it. <laughs> you own all its dirty secrets. And I think that's going to come back and haunt people. First off, that's a prediction. The second thing is, is that money in the monetary system, and, and it's probably really unpopular to say this, but it's a really, really cool system. The, the modern, modern, modern monetary system does amazing things. It has magical properties. And if you like, if, if you have, um, if you have uh, let's say I have an asset, okay? Let's say, you know, this mouse. I have a mouse here, right there. And I have nothing else in the world. And I will have an idea. And I say, right, I go to a bank and I go, you know, I'd like to borrow some money. And they go, well, have any collateral? And I go, yes, there's a mouse. They go, that's an amazing mouse. We'll give you a million dollars. And they give you a million dollars and they take a lien over that mouse. Now, their, their balance sheet shows a mouse coming in worth a million and a million dollars they created going out the door. So they're net at zero. You know, uh, and I suddenly got a, a mouse going out the door and a million dollars coming in. I'm net net zero, but I have animated the, the financial value inside that mouse, and I'm now able to direct it elsewhere. That is unbelievable. Uh, that it's incredible that you can do that. The money can follow good ideas, and it's not to be sniffed at. And most people who support Bitcoin, promote Bitcoin, fail in understanding that elasticity that comes with a monetary system, and it is key to its success. So a dollar is much more powerful than a equivalent Bitcoin in terms of its utility value to the economy. And I don't think most of these crypto proponents have actually done this. But CBDCs probably will. They will allow you to take an asset and pledge it and animate the value inside it for direction elsewhere. And that is not to be sniffed at. Um, so if we can create the anonymity, we can create these technical speed clearance, fast clearance, and then we can also have this animation of value for our assets that we can pledge. And I think that, that's great. That can work. All right. Any, Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes uh, sense. And any final uh, thought to leave us with? God, I don't know. You've asked me all these really big, heavy questions. Yeah. Uh, I would say, um, I would say people should, uh, I think, I think we're, we're, we're going through a huge amount of turmoil at the moment, a lot of stress, a lot of uh, anxiety out there building up. Um, I think it's really important that people uh, don't panic, even what's coming down the road. Um, it's, it's, it's important that we take the time to consider. We get good sources of information. We talk through things like we are now today with people in our, in our, in our, kind of, uh, in our, in our uh, social circles, and we manage stress. I think it's very important that you manage stress actively in your life, and it makes it means that you'll be able to absorb better information, make better decisions, uh, which might be financial, might be other other types of decisions, and uh, prepare yourself to be resilient resilient for the future, financially, you know, mentally, spiritually, what whatever is important to you. But it's important that we actively and intentionally look after ourselves because yeah, the world is is, is changing, and and I think the world of tomorrow and, and is going to be very much different from the world today. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. It's uh, I always say I feel like we're in the 1930s uh, all over uh, again. And I'll include uh, your links in the description, goldcore.com. And if you want to tell us, you know, the best place to go to, I guess people can go to goldcore.com. They can get uh, purchase, as you said, um, physical metal or uh, open an account and have uh, have it stored in the vault somewhere, right? Yeah, uh, you can open an account in three minutes. 
it's that fast. Uh, we have really good systems and technology, uh, and we can get you in the market within hours. Uh, we can actually have metal on the shelf within hours in the best cases. Now, the, the operations team are probably shouting at me now, but uh, we're getting faster and faster all the time. Uh, but you can open an account quickly. I think uh, do your research, call us up, uh, go on to Goldcore TV. We have some really good interviews there um, where we interview a lot, an awful lot of the great and the good uh, and a lot of thought-provoking um, uh, interviews. Uh, and then put your toe in the water. We also have a gold saver plan, which is really cool. It's like a, it's a, a monthly accumulator of gold you put like a hundred euros dollars whatever you want or more uh, and we take it out of your account on the second day of the month or your credit card and then we put it in the gold real physical gold uh um, between the sixth and the eighth day of the month um and it's it's a great way of accumulating gold over time in a savings plan uh, and that's really really popular out there too it's been around since 2010 and it's uh, it's it's, uh, it's very very popular yeah, you guys have a great YouTube channel as well. You've interviewed some of the same people um, that I listen to and that I interview. So that really uh, says that, you know, Goldcore knows what's uh, uh, going on. And again, thanks uh, for being on Geopolitics and Empire, Stephen. I, I so loved our conversation. Thank you so much for your time. And, uh, and uh, hello to everybody out there. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes, Facebook restricts our page, Reddit and Twitter take down posts, and after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our Pro account. The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.